So we're going through the book of Romans, we're up to chapter 3, verses 9 to 24. The book of Romans in the New Testament written by Paul. And so chapter 1, it talks about God, about God. And then as we go through the chapters, it goes on about possible uh, human responses to God. So let's read the scripture and we'll talk about those. Three responses, possible human responses to God. Romans chapter 3 verses 9 to 24. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin, as it is written. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace, they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight <coughs> excuse me, by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Verse 21, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we can have three responses to God. Three responses to God. And the first one is this. A religion, a religion where we say, no, God, that's not true, or no, I'm not interested, or no, that's not relevant to me. The technical word is antinomianism, where we oppose God-installed law. Antinomianism. <clears throat> but a religion, despite that, can have its own expectations of what is right and wrong. Irreligion can have its own code of conduct. And, and there's often cultural variations of that in different times and places. So, for instance, in the first century, forced sex between slave owner and slaves was expected and considered okay. Uh, however, infidelity between married people was, was not considered okay because it weakened um, the family bond and it was betrayal of the marriage uh, agreement. So forced sex between a, 
slave owner and slaves, that was considered okay, but infidelity between married people was not considered okay. In the 21st century, forced sex initiated by a more powerful person on a less powerful person is considered not okay, but consensual sex between people, uh, any sorts of people, if it's consensual, is considered okay. In the first century, unwanted babies were left to die on rubbish heaps, and that was considered okay. In the 21st century, that is not considered okay, but we tend to kill our babies inside the mother's womb, and that's considered okay. So there is um, differences in time and place culturally as to what is considered right and wrong. And irreligion, interestingly enough, has become quite preachy in our time. So we, as a family, stayed at a B&B in the far north about three years ago, owned by a very nice lady, and on her fridge, she had about 15 commandments. It wasn't Moses' commandments, he only had 10. But she had commandments like this, uh, be kind to yourself, breathe, leave nothing but footprints, take nothing but photos, be kind to animals, learn new things, follow your dreams, question everything, leave a legacy, pay it forward. Find that work-life balance. You know? <laughs> Uh, I just wanted a, I just wanted some milk for my cup of tea. <laughs> and irreligion has um, should do's and also don't do's. It um, tends to call out particular unrighteousness of the day and age, and it considers some sins worse than others. But according to the Word of God, that's not true. Sin is sin. And it is true that different sins have different consequences. So, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, um, avoid sexual sin because um, your spirituality and your sexuality is all intertwined. And messing with your sexuality, that affects your spirituality. So different sins have different consequences. But sin is sin. Sin is sin. And fending off God in irreligion is sin. They say, no, God, I don't want you, I don't need you, I don't believe in you. However you do it, that is irreligion. That's one response to God. The other, second response to God is religion, where we try, try to appease God by obeying rules. And the good must outweigh the bad. It leads to the appearance of devotion. And in the day and age of Jesus, they had uh, the religious leaders would have long bits of cloth that make them longer to look more religious, or the scripture boxes called phylacteries tied to the head, and that make them bigger. We have modern-day equivalents, but it doesn't deal with the heart. We can... Give the appearance, but the appearance doesn't deal with the heart. And religion uh, tends to be selfish in a corporate way. Uh, irreligion tends to be selfish in an individual way, about me. But religion tends to be selfish in a corporate way. It's about us. 
We see this in the way the Jewish religious leaders had come to treat the temple at the time of Jesus. And so we have in the Gospels the account of Jesus clearing out the temple of those that bought and sold things and those that were trying to use it as a shortcut. And Jesus got very excited by that, angry even, turned over the tables, chased out those that were buying and those that were selling. And he says, Jesus said this, he says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, not the nation, nations, plural. But you have turned it into a den of lestes, it says in the Greek. Now, lestes can be translated two ways. It can mean robbers or it can mean uh, political extremists, rebels. And this is probably what it is meant. See, Jesus says, it's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a, a den of political extremists. One of the people that, uh, group of people that, that liked the temple at this time, they called them Sikari. It means dagger men. They were assassins. And they would come into the temple and they would stab to death, uh, attempt to, uh, those that were political collaborators with the Romans. They loved the temple. And in fact, what Jesus got um, excited by there, the one and only place where the non-Jews could worship God was there, where they were trading. This was the court of the Gentiles. The temple had different courts, and depending on who you were was where you could go. So um, there's a place for the, uh, the priests right in the middle. Only they could go there. It was a place for Jewish men. Only Jewish men could go there. There was uh, uh, a place for Jews, so the women could go there. There was a place for non-Jews right on the out, outer court, and only they could go there. Guess where the trading was set up? The court of the Gentiles. And Jesus said, what are you on about? This is meant to be for all nations. All nations. See, that's what religion tries to do. It says, this is for me and mine. Me and mine. But it's not about me and mine. So everyone tends to one extreme or the other. Either license irreligion or law, religion. And Jesus told a story, Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. And it talks about two brothers. And one was one extreme, one was the other. The prodigal said, I don't want you, God. I don't want you, Father. I'm off. I'm going to do my own thing. But he wasn't the only brother. There was another brother. And he was out there slaving it on the farm for his dad. Religion. And it says this. He said he was angry. And often religion has a seething anger underneath it all. Legalism can be grim. It's like Grit your teeth. Do it for God. The elder brother grits his teeth, pushes his lip together, grunts it out for God. He calls himself a slave 
I've been slaving it out on the farm here for you, Father. And your son, and guess who mentions uh, the prostitutes? This is, this is where it enters the story. It's from the religious brother, the elder brother. Irreligion and religion are basically two versions of the same thing. It's a, an attempt at self-salvation. It's built on human efforts. And interestingly, they end up sometimes looking like each other. Irreligion builds up its own rules and begins preaching. Strict legalism can end up being kind of cultish, starts legitimizing terrible behavior like um, sexual predators, domination, slavery, drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, we had a colleague on the mission field, and he'd come out of a cult uh, that was based up in Auckland called the 12 Tribes of Israel. It was a Rastafarian cult. And I said, what was, what was it like? He said it was oppressive and domineering. It was oppressive. Both irreligion and religion have selfish motivations. Irreligion motivated by autonomy and individualism. I want, I decide. To, why, to my way of thinking, it's about me. Religion motivated by fear of punishment. Uh, I'll get in trouble, we'll get in trouble, and pride. You don't want to be like them out there. But Paul says this, neither irreligion nor religion have the answer. Neither, verse 9, can combat sin. Jews and Gentiles all alike are under sin. Now, verses 11 to 18 it has actually seven Old Testament quotations. It's like a string of pearls outlining the failings of humanity. There's one from Ecclesiastes, there's five from Psalms, and one from Isaiah. And it includes references to different uh, numerous body parts. Verse 13, their throats are open graves, full of corruption and deception. Their tongues practice deceit. Verse 13, their lips spread poison like snakes. Verse 14, their mouths are filled with bitter curses. Verse 15, their feet are swift in pursuit of violence. Verse 18, their eyes have no fear of God, looking in the wrong direction. The point of this, the point of all these body parts is to emphasize the incredible extent that sin has twisted and tainted every part of our humanness. The incredible reach of sin. And the, the Old Testament law, it can't save, verse 20. It can make us aware of our shortcoming of our sin, but it can't save. Can't, it can't, you know, even the Holy Spirit does that. Uh, John 16, 18, one of the Spirit's jobs is to make us aware of sin. But there is good news. There is good news, and this is the third response. There is good news. You know, it's not about irreligion. It's not about religion. Verse 21, but now, but now, but now. So there's a contrast. Get ready. It's coming. But now something good is coming, and it's good news. And don't confuse that with good advice. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. It's about something that has already happened, that Jesus has already done. It's good news. It's announcing the fact of what has been achieved by Jesus. And it's from God. It's from God. Verse 21. 
It's repeated. Uh, it's, not, it's not achieved. It's only received. It's from God. And it's by faith. By faith. By faith. It, it can only be re- received supernaturally. Righteousness. We can only achieve righteousness supernaturally. By God. From God. By faith. And it's about our heart. We saw that two, chapter 2, verse 29. Our hearts will be circumcised internally. You know, religion tries to bend a person into shape, but the gospel melts hearts. The gospel melts hearts. It's about our hearts. It's about our hearts. And it's not, it's not just about us. The gospel is other-focused. It's something to be proclaimed to the outsiders. Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those proclaiming good news. Ano te atahua o ngā waiwai o te honga kawi mai te ronga whakahari o ngā mea papai. How beautiful are the feet of those proclaiming good news. The law veers towards a way of life that needs to be protected. But now the, the gospel, it's other-focused about other people. And gospel-focused people keep asking the question, who now? Who can we proclaim to now? How can we proclaim this great message? How can we integrate newcomers into the, the family of faith? How do we reach them over there? And the local church is a launching pad for the gospel. It's, it's, it's not a protection for religion. It's a launching pad for the gospel. And it's a place to cultivate and integrate the fruit of the gospel. That's what we're about. The effects of the gospel are not the gospel. The effects of the gospel are not the gospel. Caring for the poor and weak of society is good, but it's not the gospel. Uh, prosperity and health is the effects of the gospel. That's good, but it's not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is the gospel. And we're here to promote the gospel, to care for the fruit, help edify, mature the fruit of the gospel. We're a launching pad for the gospel. We're going to finish here, Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I'm so grateful. Uh, At 18 years of age, I was offered the chance to respond to the gospel. And there was about 100 of us in the room. And three of us did, um, Wally Isipo, Jennifer Raimo, and myself. <laughs> so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I want to keep giving that chance, keep giving that chance. And I wanna, also I want to pray for those that um, know deep down in the heart that it is about the gospel and that have that, gis, that gift already of evangelism. So uh, Mike, uh, John, um, Shah, help me with some others that... We know this is you, and we'll we'll pray for you guys. And if you feel this is you, that Lord is leading 
leading you into proclaiming the gospel. Nick, you're helping on that um, outreach team as well. As we sing that song, the middle song, come up, we'll start praying for you. If you need to respond to the gospel, if you've been stuck in irreligion or religion and you know you need to respond to say, I'm about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, come up as we're singing and we'll pray for you as well. If you know you need to respond and say, I need to say yes to Jesus. I'm not, a, I'm not going to push God away anymore and I'm not going to be religion, religious. I'm not going to pretend. All right, let's stand up. Thank you, uh, worship team. You guys come up, we'll start praying for you now. We'll bless you. Just invite um, those who want prayer just to head over to that. Just over there would be great. Okay, or those who are willing to pray for others, whatever you want, just head over here behind this speaker.
Amen. Amen.